So before anything else, I just wanted to record this as a little bit of a preface. Uh, in, in a good amount of this program, I discussed the situation with Iran and the United States, the tensions, the possibilities, etc. Uh, as I recorded this part of the show, it was before uh, Donald Trump gave his speech uh, and announced the sanctions that he was going to uh, put upon Iran. Uh, with that having transpired, uh, I would say that it's almost all but certain uh, that the situation is de-escalating and that it will not uh, spiral out of control at this point. I think that it's it's done, and uh, we're out of the water here. We're in the, we're in the clear. So, uh, otherwise, uh, you know, the rest of it, again, was recorded yesterday when, you know, there was still a lot of, of possibilities, um, but I'm going to leave that in for the heck of it. And uh, there's some interesting background about the situation either way. So that's just a little bit of an update that I wanted to give, but I would say at this point pretty confidently uh, things have diffused to the point where uh, I don't think it's really... It, it, you know, there's still that little bit of a potential, but I think that it's pretty much over at this point. Enjoy the show. This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. This is VORW International, going out to you this Thursday, the 9th of January, 2020. Yeah, some massive developments going on as we speak in regards, of course, to uh, the U.S.-Iran conflict and uh, other current events as well. In today's broadcast, uh, there's been a bit of a, a change of plans, best way to put it. Uh, you know, last week's show was really, I guess it was last Tuesday, I think it was done right before New Year. And uh, I was going to try to do the uh, predictions show. You know, I, I it, is, it is what it is. I mean, there's a good... Uh, song lyric, or really to take part of a song lyric, uh, it's, how, it's how I feel about it. You know, you can't always get what you want. It's totally understandable. It doesn't bother me. Um, but anyway, last Tuesday, I uh, kind of, well, I tried to hype it up anyway, uh, that I was going to do a predictions show after New Year, and I wanted to just give it a little more time than usual. Because I was just going off of experience. I was just going off of, you know, how the show uh, for New Year's 2019 did. And for that, I got like, you know, 300 um, prediction emails and whatnot. It was enough to do a at least a two-hour show off of. Um, but this time around, I would say in the in the week or so that I tried to give it, uh, the views were the same, you know, so it wasn't like no one really saw it. Plenty of people did. But unfortunately, there just wasn't any response, really. I mean, maybe a dozen predictions came in, but it was nothing that I can do a show off of. So what I'm going to do instead, uh, and again, it's just it's the luck of the draw. I've had this happen before where sometimes I will ask a question and the amount of responses is incredible uh, that comes through. Whereas other times I'll ask a question and, you know, just get a dozen or so responses. So such things happen. And it doesn't bother me any. Again, 
Uh, you can't always get what you want, but the show, well, the show most certainly goes on. Uh, so instead, what I want to do is uh, it's going to be more of a random talk broadcast, and that'll be outlined in the title. Uh, because again, there's just it's, it, it wouldn't wouldn't really be all that much otherwise. So I mean, I just don't want to sit there and lie to people and say, "All right, we're going to do the big show with the predictions, and then just do it for five minutes, and then that's it." And you know, people will be like, "What the heck? What what is this exactly? You know, why so few?" Anyway, that's it. It's all good. So uh, for the first, uh, however long, I just want to share my thoughts on what's going on with Iran. And then I want to give a personal update uh, about the YouTube. And uh, unfortunately, just some health uh, health things are going to... It's going to change the uh, schedule and... Um, well, really, what's going on with the YouTube channel. It's going to... I'm not going to be able to do uh, reviews for a while. Which is, you know, again, it's out of my hands. But we'll talk about that in a minute. First and foremost, uh, huge, huge developments in the Middle East... Uh, it was just really interesting to me. As soon as I heard about this, I, I kind of knew that this wasn't going to end all too well. Uh, you know, it, this all started, right? U.S. and Iran have never had very good relations. They've never really, <laughs> you know, you could go as far as to say enemies, right? You know, there's always been those tensions. There's always been threats. There's always been, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. Uh, you know, they want to attack this or that, or they're responsible for one thing or the next. Uh, you always hear about this stuff. It happens uh, every so often, every couple months. Usually it gets in the news. You even look back the last year. Uh, there was the Strait of Ormuz, where they claimed that Iran had sunk these tankers. And, uh, you know, things might flare up from that. Now, obviously they didn't. Then there was the Saudi Aramco uh, oil facilities a couple months later that were attacked. And no one could really figure out where it came from, but everyone, everyone's eyes started turning to uh, Iran and said, well, they, they, must have, they must be the perpetrators here. Maybe some retaliatory action will come uh, for that, but nothing happened. Uh, now, obviously, this took, I think, a lot of people by surprise. It certainly took me by surprise. Uh, when Major General uh, Soleimani was killed by the United States. And it was in a drone strike, I believe, after he had gotten off a plane in Baghdad, Iraq. And he was he was blown up. You know, him and, and his entourage were uh, blown up in a drone strike. And now, this guy had been on the hit list by the United States for years. I mean, so it's not like this guy, you know, you just picked a random name and said, all right, let's kill this guy, right? Soleimani was very high-ranking and was, again, for, for many, many years was a target by the United States. Now, this guy was huge. I think sometimes when you hear about a general, it's like, well, you know, obviously that's big, but if a general in the United States got killed... It would, it would be in the news, and I think a lot of people would be upset. But it wouldn't be the type of reaction that we've seen out of Iran. So the only way you can, you can even think of it would be... The only comparison you could draw, I should say, 
that Soleimani would be like the U.S. equivalent. Now, granted, you know, politics, obviously it's very divisive, but it would be a political figure that at least a large percentage of the population, you know, looks up to. Someone who's nearly a household name and has a lot of support. I mean, best I could think, you know, in terms of analogies would maybe... You know, on the Republican side, maybe Mike Pence. Uh, or, or, you know, if you want to go uh, Democrat side, you can look uh, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, etc. Someone of that level. So imagine if they are out in, let's say, Canada or Mexico, and they just get blown up by uh, an Iranian you know, drone strike. Right, then think of the outrage that would happen in the U.S., right? This is the same, this is on that same level. So some people, I think, when they hear just, oh, general this, you know, it's like, so what? You know, of course he's a military commander, but it's just, it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. But you have to realize this guy, Soleimani, was, oh, he was 10 times bigger than that. Uh, t- 10 times at, at the very least. Having followed the conflicts in Syria, Iraq, etc., for many years, when I saw that he he got killed, my jaw just dropped. I thought, oh my god, here it goes. You know, this this really happened. I mean, this is huge. I mean, I cannot, I, I just can't even properly express how huge this was. So you might say, okay, well, Obviously, this was this was what did it. We killed this guy. Why exactly did we kill him? You know. Now, U.S. intel claims that he had plans because Soleimani was was a major general of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and also commander of the Quds Force. Uh, now, he was listed as a terrorist by the European Union, right? But again, you can't think of him on the same level as, you know, some guy in ISIS or Al-Qaeda, etc. But U.S. intelligence claimed that he was planning major attacks against U.S. assets and diplomats in the region. And that assassinating him was a preventative measure to ensure that whatever it was that he was planning to do wasn't going to materialize. And that it was going to prevent a war, not start one. That's, that was the justification for doing this. Now, if you want to go even further back, on December 27th, 2019, the K-1 air base in Iraq, uh, which hosts Iraqi U.S. personnel, was attacked. Uh, Several rockets were launched by what they believed to be Iranian-backed militias. You know, that's the narrative. And an American defense contractor was killed. Now, the U.S. responded to that by launching several airstrikes in Iraq and Syria against, again, several Iranian-backed militiamen that, you know, they claim maybe were affiliated with this, etc. And 25 of them were killed. Days later, uh, you know, people were furious about this. They stormed the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad, Iraq, in protest, 
and set a few of the buildings on fire and really made one heck of a statement, uh, you know, against what the U.S. did. These were the events that led up to it. Then almost a couple days afterwards, Trump said that the strike was uh, done to disrupt an imminent attack, and a drone strike was launched against Soleimani and again his entourage in the Baghdad International Airport. And ever since then, it's just been... Oh boy. Yeah, it's, it's been crazy. Uh, with his death, Iran was absolutely furious. Uh, because again, whether he really was or wasn't, he's being treated like a national hero. And as far as you're concerned, in their eyes, he was a martyr. Uh, the rhetoric immediately ramped up. Iran promised a response. They said, you cross the line this time and we're going to avenge his death. And tensions have just been building and building and building ever since. Now, people weren't really sure what to make of this because this kind of stuff, not the assassination, but the rhetoric has happened before. Iran says they're going to do this and the U.S. says they're going to do that. The media jumps all over it because it makes for a good clickbait headline. And nothing happens, right? Same BS as North Korea. North Korea says they're going to nuke the U.S. And everyone gets panicky for a couple days and then nothing happens. And then we go back to whatever it is we've been doing. And we forget about it. But either way, tensions escalated. Iran said they were going to retaliate. The U.S. said, if you retaliate, we're going to retaliate against your retaliation, and we're going to strike you again. Then Iran counters back, well, if you retaliate against our retaliation, then we're going to retaliate back again even stronger. Then, of course, Trump just, you know, makes his statements. He said, well, we'll attack 52 sites in Iran some of which are cultural sites, you know, very important to the Iranian people. Well, that set off a firestorm, of course, and, you know, I'm sure we've all heard that many a time. Going forward, though, here's where it stands. As I'm recording this broadcast, is this the retaliation? You know, is this it? I woke up to find out uh, that multiple ballistic missiles were launched from Iran against U.S. facilities in Iraq. About 15 missiles in total. Damage is being reported to some of the U.S. facilities. Others kind of made it unscathed. No casualties reported yet, although Iranian uh, media was reporting that there were 80 uh, dead Americans um, but Western media is saying, no, no one died. Uh, no Americans died. Uh, no Iraq uh, military personnel died either. Uh, Trump actually said, all is well. Here's where, we, uh, where, where it comes down to. Number one. Is this the response? If this is it, 
with all due respect, for those of you who are hoping um, for a large-scale conflict, it's over. Uh, this is as far as it's going to go. And it's over right now. It's not going to escalate any further. And it's done. However, if this is not the response, then forget it. You know, um, we're going to be... There isn't going to be a world war. That's the one thing that I'm confident of. World War Three sounds... Sounds, you know, World War Three. This is it. World War Three isn't going to happen. However, if full-blown war is declared, this isn't going to be like Iraq in the early 2000s, nor is it going to be the Gulf War in the 90s. Uh, this conflict will be exponentially larger, again, should total war be waged. Um, best, I feel, would be to compare it to Vietnam in terms of casualties that you're going to see. So it's not going to be where, you know, just we'll go in there and blow them up and just a dozen people are going to die. Uh, you know, it's the, the terrain is completely different too. The population is different. The military size is different. Public attitude is different. And quite frankly, the level of advancement is different. That's not to say that the Iranian military is the most high-tech in the world. But don't expect them to just be driving around, you know, in rusted-out tanks from, you know, the former Soviet Union or anything. They're a little bit better than that. So, it's going to be different. And things, again, can get out of control very, very quickly. Now, I don't think that any... If, if it happens, it's going to be between the U.S. and Iran. China and Russia, I can kind of see them perhaps doing some arms sales to Iran uh, here and there. China, I just don't see them getting involved at all. Uh, they really don't have any reason to. It wouldn't be in their best interest. And I just feel like the Chinese military takes more of a defensive role than offensive. Granted, it's a huge military, but I just don't see them getting involved. Uh, Russia and Iran are obviously much closer allies. You know, they're, they're much closer than, than China and Iran. But once again, I just don't see Russia fully getting involved in this. Um, because I don't think Russia wants a, a war directly between U.S. forces and Russian forces. I really don't think they want that. So, I mean, I could see, again, if it really just goes down the tubes, Russia and China offering absolute minimum support to Iran. But don't, don't, don't expect a declaration of war from either of them against the U.S. So I just don't expect there to be a, a World War III type scenario playing out like that, but I can see, I would say there's probably a 40% chance of a major regional war happening from this. I don't think there'll be any nuclear attacks or anything like that. But again, if I had to, if I had to predict, I'd say there's a 60% chance that this is it, and this is going to de-escalate from here. 40% chance that it's going to 
continue escalating, and we're going to have ourselves a large-scale Middle East conflict, uh, you know, starting off 2020. Either way, the situation isn't good, but it's something, especially if you're interested in the Middle East, you got to follow this as close as you possibly can. There's lots of disinformation, misinformation, propaganda coming from all parties here. And do whatever you have to do to try to get the facts. And it's, it's one hell of a job, but do what you can. Again, right now as I'm recording this, uh, it's the morning of uh, Wednesday. So, I mean, I know it's a little dated. Maybe I'll upload this earlier. Um, but as I speak... Uh, Khomeini, the supreme leader of Iran, is giving statements saying the U.S. were slapped last night, but such military actions are not enough. So, the defense minister of Iran is also saying right now uh, Tehran's response to the U.S. retaliation will be proportional to what it will do. But there's been so much talk... I just don't know if this is just rhetoric to kind of get people fired up, um, but they're kind of hinting that this isn't the total response, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if this really is, um, because I think all parties kind of know that if anything does happen, it's just not going to, it's not going to play out well. The last thing I ever want to see in this region is a major war, but I think we're getting very, very close to that threshold Nothing I say or do is going to change what's going to happen. But I don't want to see it happen, but I think we're getting close to it. I think we're getting very close to it. Don't expect the U.S. to be directly attacked by any sorts of missiles or nukes or anything like that. Um, but, but, you know, be, be, be vigilant. I can't see too many attacks against civilians happening. But you don't know. Like I said, it all depends on how much this spirals out of control and how, how it continues to escalate. So, be vigilant. You know, keep your guard up, but don't, don't hide yourself away while this is going on. And, and don't look at anyone who's Iranian and think that they're evil or whatever. Most people from Iran are great. Uh, you know, obviously it's just, it's a... Well, it's a bad situation. You know, that's that's all that it comes down to, really. One other thing to mention, of course, uh, was what, what kind of coincided with the missile attacks uh, was the downing of a Ukrainian airline. It was Ukraine International Airlines Flight 752. It uh, was bound from Tehran to Kiev, Ukraine, uh, operated by Ukraine International Airlines. Uh, the plane crashed shortly before takeoff uh, on January 8th, 2020. Now, they claim that it was an engine failure that did it, but I don't believe that for a bit. With all due respect, I think it was either shot down uh, intentionally or uh, mistakenly. And that's just my opinion. I'm pretty sure I might be dead wrong here. But I just have a feeling that it was either accidental... Or, uh, I mean, who knows? You don't know who was really on it. Everyone on board, uh, died. 176 deaths. But this was almost right after the missile attack. Zero survivors. 
82 Iranians, 63 Canadians, 11 from Ukraine, 10 Swedish passengers, 4 Afghanistani, uh, 3 Germans, and 3 from the UK died. Obviously a tragedy either way. This is so sad to see this happen too. So, this is just something that you need to keep your eye on. Probably one of the biggest current events that's transpired in recent memory, quite frankly. I've mostly been following this through uh, alternate media sources because I just don't... Not that I don't trust mainstream news. It's just I've noticed that they sometimes are a little late to report on things. And, you know, lots of things just get editorialized. So I just try to get the facts as soon as I can uh, through AP Newswire, Live UA Map, uh, you know, a whole slew of Intel accounts on uh, Twitter. And then on the shortwave uh, broadcasts of the uh, Voice of Iran to see what their perspective is. Either way, though, huge, I mean... Huge, massive developments. I mean, this might be it. It might be over. You know, as it began, it might already be over. Um, But just keep up to date on this. This is big. This is really big, either way. Uh, This is probably the biggest event uh, in regards to Iran since the hostage crisis in the 70s. So just put that into perspective. Absolutely massive. Make sure you have a shortwave radio so you can monitor broadcasts from Iran. And also use it so you can tune into the U.S. uh, emergency action messages. uh, Kind of coded messages uh, for Air Force assets that are broadcast on the shortwave. Kind of like number stations, but they're from the U.S. And if you see a huge uptick in them, it can kind of give you, not totally, but a little bit of insight... Uh, on on what's going on if something might happen. So anyway, that's the forefront of what's been going on. I'm going to take a short break. Uh, Just take a listen to some of the sponsors that keep this broadcast going. This is VORW International. Zenko Ice Slider is a tile-based puzzle game where you get from point A to point B by sliding through the board. Zenko is a fun pastime for people who enjoy problem-solving, sliding puzzles, brain games, reasoning skills, and fun challenges. Every level, you'll get a board with different types of tiles like ice, walls, holes, and fragile tiles. In the board, you will also get some creatures that have to be placed in the correct tile for the board to be solvable. For example, one creature works as a wall, Once you have placed the pieces in the right place, you swipe to move Zenko in that direction. He'll slide on the board and stop upon hitting walls on its path to the goal. Now, currently, there are two modes to play the game. Adventure mode is a set of four worlds of 40 levels each, where new tile types and creatures are introduced as you progress. This makes for a fun dynamic gameplay evolution as new mechanics are introduced. Puzzle of the Day mode has new levels added each day. Levels may include any of the tile types and creatures from Adventure mode. Every map has an optimal move count, which, when met, will give you a 3-star rating for that level. Now, any extra moves, and you'll get less stars. 
You can find Zenko Ice Slider on Google Play Store for Android and soon in Apple's App Store. That's Z-E-N-K-O dash Ice Slider. If you enjoy the game, feel free to leave a review as well. And if you have any feedback or comments, this would greatly help the developers improve their product and build better ones in the future. The game also has some pretty nice music. Feel free to check it out again on Google Play and soon on Apple's App Store. Z-E-N-K-O Ice Slider. That's Zenko Ice Slider. We all have nightmares. They happen. I'm sure we don't particularly like them. But let me tell you about a really interesting thing that the Henson brothers did. They took something that I think we oftentimes look upon very negatively, something that can cause us anxiety, that keeps us up at night, and they made something really cool and really interesting out of it. That's why I'd like to present to you The Nightmare Parlor. This is a new series that is going out on the Henson Brothers YouTube channel. Now, in the Nightmare Parlor project, they collect the weirdest, creepiest, and most haunting dreams had by their YouTube subscribers. In every episode, they exhibit a few of the most mesmerizing dreams that have been shared with them. Using various audiovisual techniques, they try to capture the ambiance of the dream and bring the most truthful depiction to your YouTube screen. They take something that happens to so many of us, they bring it to life, and they make something really neat out of it, too. You can find them by searching the Henson Brothers on YouTube. That's H-E-N-S-E-N Brothers. Or by searching the Nightmare Parlor. Viewers can make their submissions of their dreams that they would like to have recreated on this channel by going into the video description of their newest upload. And there they'll find a very easy form they can use to make their submission, and really become a part of the show in the most literal sense. I think it'll be interesting for all lovers of horror. Check them out, the Henson Brothers on YouTube with The Nightmare Parlor. Please check them out, and uh, once again, if you'd like to advertise on this broadcast, uh, contact me at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Also, if you have any thoughts about the conflict going on with uh, Iran... Uh, what do you think is going to happen next? Uh, you know, what do you see happening here? Uh, I really want to get your feedback on this. Please, the only way to get in touch with me is to email me. I know that, but that's the only way. I'm sorry, that's, you know, it's that's just what works best in this case. Um, but send me an email. What do you think is going to happen here? Do you think it's going to pitter out and this is it? Or do you think it's going to spiral out of control and we're going to be seeing a huge conflict here? V-O-R-W... I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. There was, uh, as, I, as I started off the show, I said I was going to be talking about what's going on with Iran. Um, but I also was going to give a little bit of an update on my health and why I might not be able to do any reviews uh, for the future, for a while, anyway. Here's the deal. I'm going to try to talk about this more kind of as it comes. I'll try to do a review soon. But after that, I don't know how long it's going to be. One observation that a lot of people correctly have noticed is that when I kind of eat the food that I'm reviewing, 
I always chew a little, a little weird, you know? And I mean, there, there's, there's no, there's no shame in admitting that. That, yeah, you know, my bite is off. My bite is weird, right? It's like I kind of chew things a little hesitantly. Um, maybe I chew a little more on one side of the mouth than I do another. And, uh, you know, I think, I think, again, many of you have, have noticed that. Again, correctly. I'm not going to sit there and, and say, oh, no, I, I chew normally and you're just making things up. No. Uh, absolutely. And, well, first things first, I'm going to have to get a dental surgery done because here, here's the story, right? So a couple years ago, let's go, let's go back like six years, seven years. Let's go to 2012, okay? In 2012... Nowadays, thankfully, I'm, I'm mostly a coffee drinker. You know, I'll drink the energy drinks for a review, but I don't really, you know, drink them all that much. Now I'm mostly just coffee, water, uh, caffeine pills. So I don't really, I don't, I just don't really drink those, those extremely sugary energy drinks. Now in 2012, I was a huge consumer of them. Uh, I would drink, you know, like one or two um, Monsters and Red Bulls per day. Which, you know, again, it's like a double whammy on your teeth. It's it's very sugary, very acidic as well. And granted, back then, I didn't, I didn't care for my teeth as well as I should have, right? That's on me. That is my fault 110%. Right? I screwed up there. I should have brushed more. I didn't. I messed up. And again, that's on me. That That's completely my fault. You know, you learn a lesson, right? But obviously, that type of diet and not taking as good care of your teeth as you should is going to cause issues. It's going to lead to complications. So, this led to multiple cavities, especially in my molars. Right, the teeth that are right in the back of your mouth. And I went to this one dentist, this was when I lived in New York at the time, that, you know, I trusted. And this is the saddest part. Someone has a degree, and they put on the lab coat, and they can have a nice office and sweet-talk you, and they'll make it seem... Like, they know what the hell they're doing. That they're professionals, and that they're not there to F you over. You know? You, you trust them. You think, well, this person's the doctor, and I know they're going to do the right thing. They're going to do the right procedure. And that'll be that. It'll be all good. Right? I should have had these cavities filled and filled properly. Had that have been done correctly, it wouldn't, you know, it, it would have been okay. Well, unfortunately, that didn't happen. 
And this dentist was very, very bad. And just recently I got a second look at it from someone who really did know what they were doing. They got the x-rays, they showed them to me, and I was, I was appalled by what I saw. And just the quality of the work that was done, it irreparably destroyed uh, several teeth of mine. They're, it, it's, they're gone. It's, it's past the point of no return. Back in uh, 2016, though, you know, fast forward from 2012, right? I had these issues. I, that, that's what led up to it. Then in 2015, 2016, I went to this one dentist in the New York area to get them fixed, to get these cavities filled, get them taken care of. No big deal, right? Everyone gets cavities and you get them filled and life goes on. So, one tooth in particular, they fussed around with it. And it was a molar all the way in the back, on the right side of my mouth. They fussed around with it. They First, they, they drilled, they cleared the cavity out. And then, for no reason, they just put a temporary filling in, and they said, all right, it's good to go. So... Yeah, whatever, that's really weird. Uh, go back a little later, and all of a sudden, a, a piece of this tooth chips off. Thinking, all right, that's really, really strange, um, but there's still like 80, 85, 90% of this tooth that's still there. So, all right, you know, maybe they'll take the temporary filling out, um, you know, put a put a... Whatever they have to do, the amalgam filling, you know, put that into the tooth, and then it'll be okay. You know, there's still enough tooth to work with. There's no pain. It's all good. And what happened next uh, was misery. It was... I really want to use other words for this, but I realized that kids listen to this show... But I'm really struggling to find anything that isn't vulgar to describe this. It was a nightmare. For some reason, they... With, with minimal Novocaine, that was another weird thing. They almost never insisted on using anything. And that sucked. But they, they take the temporary filling out of this molar. And they drill. And they drill... You'd think there's a temporary filling, it would already be done. They just switch it, they, you know, maybe do a little clean-up work, whatever. Or they grind and they grind, uh, for no exaggeration, two hours. And they put this big blob of the amalgam filling in there and send me on my way. Now, I was trying to think to myself, what on earth were they doing for two hours? Uh, when this was just supposed to be a filling. What I realize now is that something went horribly wrong during this. And even though my tongue was, you know, kind of numb, again, it wasn't perfect. I could still move it around and still feel it. I mean, it hurt like hell. As soon as I got up from the chair, I kind of moved my tongue over a little bit to that tooth, and I was mortified. You know, I went in there with, again, 90% of the tooth and a temporary filling. And I leave the place 
with about 60% of that tooth and this big metal blob in it. That, I mean, 30% of that tooth is, is gone. An entire, almost an entire, one of those little points on the tooth is just missing now. So obviously, whatever it was, they screwed it up really bad. And there was another tooth, too, that ended up cracking somehow. And they didn't even care. They just said, oh, it's fine. Don't worry. Don't. They didn't even look at it. They didn't even do any x-rays. They just brushed it off and said, forget about it. It's okay. Oh, and then there was a third tooth that they put a filling in and the filling fell out. That's another. That's for another day. But anyway, just a terrible experience. Now, at the time, I was more trusting of many dentists and doctors, and I thought nothing of it. I thought, okay, well, they did a really shitty job, but it's it's maybe that's for the best. I mean, maybe this is just what needed to be done. I don't know. I'm not a dentist, you know? I'm not a doctor. I mean, maybe there was something that they needed to tend to. I don't know. But ever since then, it felt really weird to uh, eat on that tooth. But again, I didn't think much of it. I mean, I, that whole experience was traumatizing. I didn't want to go back. I figured, well, it wasn't giving me any pain. It wasn't giving me any issues. Um, maybe I'll just, you know, get over my fears and it'll be okay. Right? I didn't like going to the dentist to begin with, but I'll try to take better care of them, etc. Well... Everything was going okay. I mean, I was, I was still eating a bit differently as a result because it just, it was just really, it felt really weird. And admittedly, I had this nervousness with the tooth. Just the thought of it, I don't know, it gave me like this anxiety, you know. So around Christmas of 2019, again, I've, I'm finally getting used to it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cleaning better and you know, eating on it more. I'm eating this piece of pizza, and all of a sudden there's this crack. Oh shoot! I thought, all right, what do we what do we have now? Well, it looked like another part of that tooth in the back broke off somehow. So now there's only, I'd say, fifty percent of the tooth left. With, again, this big blob of amalgam there. At that point, I said, all right, fine. Something is obviously not right with this tooth. I had my suspicions for a long time, but this confirms it. So, as soon as I can, I'm going to see a reputable, not this same one, mind you, a reputable dentist. And uh, found a good one in Florida. The other day, went there, got x-rays, and oh boy. Uh, it was worse than I ever thought it was that this tooth in the back uh, not only did they screw it up, um, but they destroyed it completely. They drilled all the way down to the nerve of the tooth. I'm not just saying to the I mean to the nerve of it. All the way to the nerve of that tooth they drilled and put this huge glob of amalgam that it wasn't even secured to anything. It was insane. In there. And then just let it be. They drilled down to the gum line. They ground it down to the gum line. Down to the nerve. And then just put this 
blob of amalgam that again was just hanging in there loose the entire time for four years. That could have fallen out at any moment and then I'd be in a world of misery. I also discovered that the one tooth that they, that had chipped off on the other side of my mouth, that they dismissed as being absolutely nothing, is also gone. Uh, It's also just, it's past the point of no return, too. They can't do a crown on these teeth. There's really not enough left to do a root canal. I mean, what they could theoretically do is do a root canal. Then they have to build the tooth back up. Then they can try to put a crown on. And even then, it might just have more and more complications because it goes past the gum line. They said, look, the best thing to do, these teeth are just going to be like a millstone around your neck. Uh, Best thing to do is is get them extracted and then get implants. So, again, I know I'm not, you know, I'm not innocent here. And I know I could have acted better. But I made a grave mistake going to a bad dentist and putting faith in them, trusting them, and thinking that what they would do was really for the best, and maybe that this is just how it should be. My complacency got the best of me. But I'm just beyond appalled that it's it's worse than I even thought it was going to be. And what a shame that I'm going to be losing two molars you know, as a result of what could have been easy fixes. But just a bad job overall, and well, complete inaction for the other one. Well, what can you do? You know, again, it's it's past the point of no return. They're, they're unsalvageable. So, yeah, what can you do? It's just such a shame, you know? I just don't know if there's enough to even bother. You know, it's complete medical malpractice, but again, what what can you do? So, that's the explanation as to why I've been chewing weird for the last couple years. Um, but, you know, eventually it, it's going to be a long process. I'm going to get the teeth extracted, and then eventually get the implants in. It's going to be very costly, because I don't even have any insurance, but it'll be all right. You know, I'll figure something out, payment plan, or however however they do. But it's just really disappointing. That's the best way to put it. Extremely, extremely disappointing. And as a result, it's just led to a ton of paranoia about dentists, because how do I know that the next one isn't going to be like the, the one that I went to in 2016, 2015? I don't. But... At least this place that I just went to the other day was much... Oh, they were so much nicer, and I had to, you know, I gave them my compliments. I said, look, you guys are, are fantastic. I, I, I just I couldn't believe how, how nice they were. And they really did a good job, too. You know, they were honest, and they went over all the possibilities, and they didn't try to force me into anything. You know, this was my decision. They said, look, you know, we can try to do all this stuff, or we can try to do this, and... I figure, 
getting the extractions, and then the implants eventually will be the best thing to do. But obviously, uh, with the state of this tooth, and with the <laughs> one thing to mention with that one amalgam filling, they did need to take it out just to assess to just see if there does it go all the way down to the nerve, or is there enough that they can do anything? You know, what's the state here? And they, I was so shocked, and everything was numbed up great. It was, it was wonderful. Um, I got to try out the nitrous gas, which was that. Uh, that was great too. It got rid of the anxiety. It was, it was, it was a blessing. But I was amazed at how they pulled that that metal filling out in ten seconds. It was literally just sitting there. It was insane. It was secured to nothing. Um, but, you know, they determined real quick that it's just, it's gone. It's, you know, it's gone. So, either way, there's a temporary filling in there now, and then they'll, I'm going to go to another place and get the tooth, well, the teeth, plural, I have to get a couple, pulled out. And, uh, yeah... So once that happens, no reviews from me for a bit until I can let them, you know, heal properly. You know, because you can't just, after you get a tooth pulled out, you can't just go right back in and start eating all this stuff. Uh, you have to let the teeth heal. And the last thing you ever want is to get dry socket. So once they're extracted, I'm just going to have to take a break from reviews for a bit and I'll just try to do more miscellaneous reviews. Hell, maybe I'll try to do some... Well, eventually, you can't sip on a straw either, for a couple days anyway. Um, but maybe some smoothie reviews or something. And then when eventually it gets back to normal, even without a couple teeth, I'll be able to uh, do some reviews again. And then over the months, uh, as it gets built back up, healed, and, and then eventually I get the implants, then my mouth will be back to normal and oh my god, it's going to be a good feeling once uh, once I actually have proper teeth to be able to chew on again. Isn't that going to be isn't that going to be great? You know, the things we sometimes take for granted, but all I have to say, final message, uh, take care of your teeth. It don't if I hadn't have drank all those energy drinks, this wouldn't have even happened to begin with. And if you're going to do that stuff, do it in moderation and I mean brush your teeth Floss, rinse, um, scrub your tongue too for the heck of it. And, uh, you know, find a good dentist and go to them when you can. And don't just take it at face value. Don't just look at the dentist and say, oh, you know, obviously they have the look uh, that I think, you know, this is, they're okay. Read reviews, go off of personal experience, and if something doesn't seem legit, go to another dentist. I know. Sometimes with finances, insurance, etc., we can't always do that. But if you can, uh, you know, go with your gut, go with your instinct, and uh, go to a go to a uh, go to a dentist that knows what they're doing. There's a lot of dentists out there that aren't that good, you know. So be careful. There's more than you think. But yeah, once they're pulled out, it'll be a uh, it'll be a process. And yeah, I'll just have to take a little bit of a break from the reviews for a bit. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Once it's healed as best as it can, then I'll, again, I'll get back into it. But last thing I want is to get the dry socket, because I saw this video. You can watch it. 
It's called Dry Socket Emergency. And it was from some guy who had to go to the hospital because the pain is so bad. You know, the dry socket is after they pull the tooth out. You know, you have this hole in your mouth. And the way that it heals is you have the blood that goes in there and then you get the blood clot. That, you know, that's that's the protective coating over the bone and the, the nerve, the exposed bone especially. Right? So under the blood clot, it's kind of like a scab. Right? It's able to properly heal. But... Within, you know, the first, I would say, four days after that tooth is gone, uh, if you, like, suck on a straw, uh, if you smoke, if you spit out really hard, the, the blood clot can get dislodged and it could come out. Well, as a result, if that blood clot is gone, it's like ripping the scab off, but way worse, because now you have this bone that's exposed right to the air, right to the bacteria, and the pain is excruciating. So... This one guy, you know, had to go to the hospital for it, and you could just watch a dry socket emergency, and you'll see what what hellish experience that is. So I'm just going to be playing it really safe once my teeth are gone, so that uh, hopefully that won't happen. I mean, if it does, it does, but I'm just going to do what I can to avoid that. So that's what we've got. And it's going to come at a heavy price, but hopefully we'll keep things going if... if finances get really, really tough, I'll let you know, and, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can, um, but I'll just keep you all posted. So, those are the updates. Any feedback uh, is welcome on the show, miscellaneous topics, uh, miscellaneous comments. Next week's broadcast is just going to be a miscellaneous discussion. Feel free to get in touch with me, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com, and as always, if you do want to help support this broadcast, help keep it going, a donation via PayPal is most appreciated. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. So, uh, yeah, I'll keep you all updated on what happens, and otherwise I'll just be following uh, the situation, very tense situation in the Middle East, but, yeah saying it kind of sarcastically, but but kids, take care of your teeth, uh, or else it's going to come around and, and bite you, you know. And also, go to a dentist that knows what they're doing, too. That's easier said than done, but I, oh boy, did I learn the hard way. So, that's what we've got. Coming up next for a few minutes, we'll uh, take a look at the mailbag, and uh, we'll get to a couple predictions, but again, there weren't that many to choose from, um, so that's why I kind of wanted to do this talk first. And uh, then we'll get to a couple predictions. But again, your emails are appreciated. And uh, hopefully the mailbag turnout will be a little higher for next week. But either way, I oh, I hope for peace in the Middle East. I certainly do, but yeah, we'll see what happens. V-O-R-W. Do you like to doodle when you are bored or during stressful times? And do you find yourself scribbling spirals and swirls? while you are talking on the phone? Have you ever looked up into the clouds and found a face, a flower, or a monkey riding a hippo? Next Level Doodling may be the book for you. The images on the pages of Next Level Doodling feed your mind and inspire your brain to wander and discover new artistic avenues. It's not really drawing, but pure doodling, more of an emotional release onto the paper. 
Most of the images in Next Level Doodling come from nature and suggest very organic forms that you can use to build your doodles and drawings. All of the options are yours. Pencil, pen, markers, paints, or whatever your favorite arting tools may be. Draw between the lines, color inside or outside the lines. The doodle is yours to control. Next Level Doodling can be carried in a purse, briefcase, or backpack, and be ready whenever you feel the artistic urge or need a little break from life. Pick up your copy of Next Level Doodling at Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Next Level Doodling makes a great stocking stuffer or office party gift. Get one for yourself and one for a friend. Share the creative experience of Next Level Doodling. You won't regret it. All right, so anyway, like I said, uh, there's not too much in the way of responses, but we'll get to a couple of them uh, in regards to predictions for 2020 and uh, perhaps the decade as well. First one comes from an anonymous listener in Atlanta, Georgia. I do have a prediction for the next decade as a whole. I think that we'll see the development of technologies that will allow for more complete escapes from society, uh, something like a realistic form of virtual or augmented reality. The basic technology already exists and has improved over time, but I believe the demand for further development of this technology is great. Who wouldn't want to live out the kinds of fantasies they'd never be able to experience in real life? That's from an anonymous listener checking in. Uh, I I agree. I could definitely see uh, types of, you know, again, VR uh, or augmented reality, like you said, end up being uh, an escape, you know, from what's really going on. So thank you there. Uh, Going over to Thomas in Canada. For me personally, uh, 2020 has nowhere to go but up. At large, I think, or at least hope and desire, uh, that people will continue to push back against the rise of technology and focus on more small-scale communitarian efforts. The rise of populist movements against tyranny throughout the year has been very welcome, and I hope to see it continues in earnest. For the decade, I hope sincerely we can learn to come together to support, help, and love one another as we ought to. No specific predictions on conflicts or challenges, just a general prediction with things uh, that I think will improve. So that's from Thomas in Canada. Thank you, Thomas. Adrian says, uh, To put it frankly, I think this is going to be a bad year, not just for me, but for the United States as a whole. I feel as if most people don't have a genuine reason to do anything anymore. This is a blanket statement, of course. Um, But most people are anxious and depressed and lack any direction, and I think this will only get worse. With the way technology is going, the way we interact with other people and go about ourselves in this world is changing so quickly, I just worry that we're going to lose sight of ourselves entirely. Now, I may just be projecting my own depression and all that onto everyone, but you really cannot deny that most people are dealing with depression on some level. With that being said, it's hard to hope uh, when everything seems so desolate, but a very, very small part of me does hope that things will get better in 2020 or 2030, 
doesn't really matter, I just think we have a severe lack of purpose in the modern day, and I really hope something changes soon from Adrian. Thank you, Adrian, for checking in. Brandon says, as far as good news is concerned, I believe computer and medical technology will continue to make rapid advancements in the next decade. Aside from a recession in the next year or so, I think the economy will recover and grow well. And with the rise of the internet worldwide, I think industrialization in Africa will make significant strides, alleviating poverty for many people. However, I am concerned about the geopolitical situation. The U.S. is not the center of the world, but instability here leads to instability worldwide. The fact that the government is involved in so many aspects of our lives, combined with the upcoming elections, results in a situation where nearly every day-to-day decision is, in a sense, subject to the approval of the majority. If everyone is fighting, left or right, to maintain their way of life, I fear the only inevitable result will be increased political strife, and maybe even an all-out civil war. Now it's from Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. Yeah, I know that civil war in the U.S. has been a big uh, concern for many. You know, I really think that the way things are, if we didn't have enough things, uh, again, such as the internet or social media to pacify us, uh, people would already have been in the streets uh, fighting to one extent or another. So we'll just have to see if uh, just political tensions in the U.S. just get worse and worse, or if it calms down or what. But thank you uh, for your prediction there. Listener in India checks in and says, My prediction about the 2020 uh, U.S. elections. I myself am not from the U.S., but I've closely followed the country's politics. Over the past few years across the world, the people have largely voted in right-wing parties. I think that the 2020 U.S. election will decide if the trend continues. If the U.S. votes in a right-wing candidate, uh, then the trend around the world of voting in right-wing parties will continue. But if the people vote in a left-wing candidate, I think the whole world would follow. So thank you very much for checking in there with a prediction about the 2020 U.S. election. It's interesting, though, because uh, I know someone, uh, a previous writer said, you know, that what the U.S. does is usually a big... It's a big sign for the rest of the world. It'll be interesting, though, to see what happens, and uh, no matter what, in regards to the election results. um, It'll just be interesting to see what happens if if it does affect the rest of the world there. Jay in North Carolina says, uh, YouTube will buy Patreon and either shut it down or merge it into their Super Chat feature. Uh, Most YouTubers I watch use Patreon as a source of supplementary income, and that extra content is made using the YouTube platform, but they don't have to worry about demonetization and sponsorship issues found on the main YouTube platform. Currently, YouTube is missing out on those dollars. Content creators will either get screwed by YouTube, um, but maybe they will have more control uh, over that siloed content and get that revenue. It's from Jay in North Carolina. I don't know if Patreon is going to get shut down or what, but I do know that YouTube has the um, the channel memberships, which is the YouTube equivalent of Patreon. So they already have that alternative set up. But the only thing is, yes, will they uh, acquire Patreon and shut them down, or will they kind of coexist? It'll be interesting to see. Um, but thank you very much, Jay, for checking in. 
Joanne in San Diego, California, writes, I admit to being an eternal pessimist, so my future prediction is dark. I feel like people are increasingly allowed to be more individualistic and true to themselves. Everyone's tolerance of each other seems to be decreasing at the same time. It's a strange contradiction that I dislike, and I believe it's causing mental health to become a major issue. So thank you, Joanne, for checking in. And uh, that is an interesting observation. It's something that I've noted, too. So it's definitely something we'll have to we'll keep our eyes on. Michael says, uh, here's my prediction for the 2020s. I think new things will become popular and new songs will trend. I think that new memes will come out and trend and become popular. Maybe some famous people will, uh, that we love will likely pass this year. But I think 2020 will be a great year. We'll all like it. And I think you'll make some great videos in 2020. Keep up the great work. Uh, thank you, Michael. <laughs> well, I, th- I think most of your prediction is probably correct. Uh, maybe aside for the, the the great videos, I don't know how good my videos this year are going to be, but uh, I think everything else, I think that stands true. I think there will be new trends, new songs, and uh, unfortunately some celebrity deaths that obviously will hurt, you know. Sid in England says, uh, The decade already hasn't gone uh, to the best start with the recent conflict between the U.S. and Iran, but I think a lot of amazing things happening in the next 10 years. I think the environmental movement, led by Greta Thunberg, uh, will will rise even more like a rebellion. The conflict between the U.S. and Iran will affect many lives uh, by going to war, and if China gets involved, World War III will kick down the door and shout, Here I am. Uh, England will eventually leave the EU, as well as uh, the leaving of Scotland from Great Britain. (laughs) And it says a report of the week will reach 10 million subscribers after uh, months of hard work by bringing out the best video ever to YouTube. Oh, thank you very much, Sid, uh, for all of your predictions there. And uh, interesting also that you do mention Brexit and, uh, of course, perhaps even, yeah, Scotland as well. That's going to be an interesting one. Brandon Australia says... Uh, More on the conspiracy side, I think that the next decade will bring the start of the New World Order, whatever that may be, Uh, whether it be China winning the race in AI and using this to sell to the rest of the world uh, a new world war, although I hope uh, this will not be the case, or the most controversial theory of them all, a staged UFO invasion to bring together the militaries of the world and world leaders Uh, to have a silent war to decide who gains leadership and mislead the general public. Uh, And I do hope this is useful for you. I look forward to the show each week. So thank you, Brandon in Australia. Though I think those theories are absolutely fascinating, so it's interesting to read, uh, especially the one with the the staged UFO invasion. Uh, You know, of course, that would be a drastic action, but certainly would be a way to, you know, kind of get the militaries of the world collectively there. It would be a huge gamble if it ever gets exposed. Um, but it, that that's a really interesting one. So thank you, Brandon, for checking in. Nate says, I'm writing in uh, with my predictions for the field of biochemistry and genetics, uh, my, my uh, professional field. It's as impossible as it sounds, I think we will have entirely eradicated malaria by the year 2030. 
I also think we will make amazing progress in cheaper gene therapy to the point where we will be able to treat many complex genetic treatments for hopefully cheaper than what they are now. We also will most likely have bred stronger and hardier crops against the major fungal pathogens that inhibit global agriculture. And God willing, I predict I will finally have my PhD within the decade. The scientific community is on the verge of some amazing discoveries, and I hope my predictions are correct, as the world will certainly be a better place to live in. So thank you, Nate. Uh, Best luck with your PhD, by the way. And I hope your predictions come true as well. You know, should they uh, really successfully transpire, I think that they will be some amazing advancements uh, for the state of humanity and our overall quality of life. So hopefully those will come true, Nate. And thank you uh, for writing in. And and again, best of luck for your PhD. I, I, I think you got it. I think you'll get there. No worries. Tony in Oregon says, About the predictions... Well, it's all guesses, of course, and I've never been really good at it, but I'll give it a shot just for fun. I'm guessing that it's going to be filled with drama and more divisiveness politically. 2020 hasn't gotten off to a great start. Of course, the killing of that Iranian wasn't very good at all. I don't follow politics real close, so I don't know what kind of man he was, um, but I do know that he was revered in Iran as a great man. We've basically martyred him. And now our government is uh, threatening to attack their ancient sacred places if they dare retaliate. It really makes me think that uh, we're provoking them to start a war. Uh, the president knows that his odds of getting reelected are much better if we're in the middle of a war. Now, I hate to give too much insight as I don't watch much unbiased news. There's not a whole lot out there. It's just frustrating Um, Because how can you feel unbiased when things are the way that they are right now? So another prediction or guess that I have is that Trump will not be removed from office. Uh, It will end at the Senate, but I also think Trump has a good chance of getting re-elected. He's been campaigning since 2017, and he's very good at it. Uh, But one thing that I've noticed, and others have too, is that his dementia seems to be getting more and more severe since he was elected. I'm wondering if he's going to be willing to do debates against other candidates, and if he does, uh, will it go over as well for him as it did in 2016? So those are some predictions uh, from Tony in Oregon, uh, again, in regards to U.S. politics, especially the 2020 election. Uh, Either way, it's going to be very, very interesting to watch, 2020 election. And uh, either way, uh, no matter who you support or who you don't support, uh, you know, be that Democrat, Republican, or third party, uh, just make sure, <laughs> vote in the primaries if you can, and uh, otherwise go out and vote for whoever you feel is uh, most fit for the office of presidency in November. Every vote counts. Make sure you exercise your right and go out and vote. That's, that's what I say. Thank you for your feedback, and finally, like I said, we don't really have all that much uh, to get to, Uh, Our final prediction comes from Dylan. It's an audio response. Let's take a listen. Hey there. I think in 2020 and beyond, data and transparency are topics that, as of now, we're not thinking much about, but we're kind of flying under the radar. As California is the first uh, state to initiate their cookie law, 
that you can opt out of the cookies on websites that you're being tracked by. And I think in the 2010s in general, people just got used to signing up for this and that and having 200 emails and logins. But by the time this decade comes around, as we saw with the Cambridge uh, Analytica at Facebook, I think people are going to realize they're being marketed to, which will affect overall how people feel about certain products. So for example, people get coffee at Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, $5, but why do they really get it? Is it just the coffee taste itself or is it just the marketing behind it? Well, once there's more realization of the data that's being used, send them those fancy emails and apps, I think people will realize they're being marketed to and therefore, really, all the quality will rise to the top. Right now we're still in the phase of kind of just not realizing how we're being marketed to, but as soon as it's more mainstream, I think people will have more opinions on the quality of products versus the uh, idealization of a product that marketing uh, inhibits, such as the you know, excitement or love for a peppermint mocha. It won't be that way. But instead, the highest quality coffee bean at the best value will be what people want to buy, which will change the landscape for companies out there. Also, as a result of this, I think the youngest generation right now really has grown up with these devices and will, in the next decade, demand for more transparency uh, when it comes to things such as global climate. Um, I think right now we are just reading headlines, articles, and it might be that there is no global problem with climate or there is global problems with climate, but I think this new generation is going to be more inclined to demand that transparency and demand the facts about such topics, which will lead to a lot less corruption in companies and individuals who have power to withhold some realities. And thank you, Dylan, for your prediction. Yeah, I mean, like I, uh, like I said, there, there weren't really too many predictions, so hope you enjoyed it, though. It was a lot of fun to get whatever we could, and, uh, you know, I, I know it was a little less than what I was kind of hoping for, but either way, your responses, they were a pleasure to read, uh, very diverse, a lot of great topics, and uh, thank you so, so much to everyone who took part in them. It is most appreciated. With that, I will be concluding today's broadcast of VORW International. Next week's show is going to be an open lines broadcast, so any feedback is welcome. VORWINFO at gmail.com. Hopefully we'll get some good emails. Uh, email about anything you want. Any comments, any questions, any pieces of feedback. We want to talk about current events, uh, the situation with Iran, teeth, or anything in between. Go for it, and uh, I could guarantee 110% this show is demonetized. You can't talk about a war without that happening, so if you do want to help support it, I'm not going to earn a cent from this. I know that for a fact. Uh, please consider a donation, once again, via PayPal, 
to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. Thank you and do take care. This is V-O-R-W.